Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to School with a Professor. Joining us is Bill Polian, Hall of Fame General Manager. And before we start talking about this year's NFL draft, we got to get into something that you just started. You now have a podcast, which is long overdue and welcome, called Inside Football. When did you start it and uh, what what's all in it? Well, we started about eight months ago. And, uh, and we cover various topics uh, that affect the game from the standpoint of what it's really like inside the building. So uh, we've spent the last month, of course, talking about the draft. And then uh, we'll finish up this, this coming week with uh, our, our overview of how the, how, what the draft really is, how the grades are built, uh, what the teams do to stack the board, why they make trades, how they make trades, et cetera. Uh, so it's, it's really inside football is, is really the, 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 an appropriate title because we go really into depth on, on how clubs make decisions, what happens, et cetera. Now, when, when's it available and where is it available? Well, it's available any time you uh, – any place you get your podcast – and uh, and it's it, uh, it's up uh, every Friday. We have a new broadcast every Friday. Okay, very good. What what about some of your most recent ones involving the draft? What did you have on those? Oh, uh, we, we 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 took um, four shows, I believe, to cover uh, the uh, overview evaluations of guys who who are going to pop up in the first two or three rounds. Fantastic. You know, basically, my film analysis of 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 uh, of uh, each individual player. And it's called Inside Football, Bill Polian. That should be great. I'm glad it's going so well. All right, let's get into this draft. How bad is this draft? Well, I don't think it's one of the stellar ones we've seen. <laughs> uh, you know, when you look at the quarterbacks, with the exception of Trevor Lawrence, are all question marks. And we know historically that um, quarterbacks, if, you, if, if there are four quarterbacks in the first round, two of them will fail. That, that that's the the history uh, going as far back as you want to go back. Uh, in terms of running backs, uh, there are really only five that you would in, in the whole draft that you would say, you know, I really can count on this guy. Um, all the others have pretty big question marks. Wide receivers, there are a lot of those. I mean, you can go down probably um, twelve. 14 slots depending on whether you like big guys or little guys and uh and you'll find uh you'll find people that are going to come in and, and help so that's a that's a big group tight ends uh, they're really only five and that's not uh maybe six uh but but that you know that's not a big number um and then offensive tackles I don't know if there are any other other than Penny Sewell to tell you the truth, and and maybe Cosme from Texas, who are true offensive tackles. Darasaw has all the all the measurables, but I'm not sure that in the end that's that's really what he is. And then a lot of the other guys are are, are really guards when it's all said and done, I think. And then centers are always in short supply. There's probably uh, there's probably two or three of them that you can you know you could really take to the bank. 
And then defensive tackles this year, it's um, it kind of slim pickings. Defensive ends is very slim pickings when it comes to pass rushers. And uh, inside linebackers, although not a uh, you know not a hot commodity in any given year in the way football is played these days, um, not a not a big group, maybe three or four that that you can count on. Outside backers, I think there's some pretty spectacular guys, but there are not many of them, honestly. And then corners, uh, I think that's probably as deep a position as there is. But once you get down past about nine or ten, you're talking about guys who are, you know, have some pretty big holes in them, as my old boss Norm Pollum used to say. And and safety is very slim pickings. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, of course the quarterback position is the most talked about, as I guess it is. But what I wonder does this compare to 2011? Because you remember that was a great draft. It's great defensive players, Hall of Famers up and down the first round, but also they had a lot of quarterback failures, except for Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, well, you know we know that 50 percent of them are going to fail. So if there are five drafted in the first round, which is conceivable, uh, you know, three of those are going to fail. You don't know which ones. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just uh, it, it really is a crapshoot after after uh, the first pick, after Trevor Lawrence, who probably has the best chance of succeeding for all the reasons that, you know, we talk about ad nauseum. After that, everybody has a big question mark next to their name. And so only time will tell. The San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, a lot of talk that they might go for the least athletic quarterback because that's kind of the nature of what Kyle likes in his quarterback, Mac Jones from Alabama. What do you think they will do at number three? Gosh, I don't know. They've done a really good job of camouflaging what their thoughts are. And, and typically you would camouflage um, for one of two reasons. One, because you're afraid somebody will jump over you and take the guy you want. And secondly, because you're trying to drum up the trade. But neither of those possibilities seem to exist. So it seems to me that they, they've done a really good job of, of, of keeping their cards close to the vest and, and saying to themselves, well, Okay, we'll we'll keep this quiet until until we finally make the pick, and I I applaud them for that. That's that's great work. Well, one thing that came up yesterday in calling around, and particularly in Atlanta, it now starts to sound like Arthur Blank is pushing for the idea to take a quarterback at number four, even though they've got sixty-five million dollars plus of uh, proration still tied up in Matt Ryan, and probably can't get him out of the roster for two years. Uh, do you think they do take a quarterback? And if so, which one? Well, first of all, I don't think they have a choice because three will go. So they're going to get number four or or below, depending on who they like. Um, so that's point one. Point two is I find it hard to believe that they would take a quarterback at that spot with, uh, you know, the, the tight end slash Superman wide receiver on the board. Um, 
or any other position at Penny Sewell. They need they need offensive linemen badly. Um, when in fact Matt Ryan is still a good quarterback, and it's going to cost you a lot of money even next year to let him go. And I don't think the cap is going to increase so greatly that you could you could handle that hit. And, and besides which. Matt Ryan is still a serviceable quarterback. Now, if you take the position that next year is going to be a very strong draft because of the extra year that many of these kids have gotten in college, courtesy of the NCAA and COVID, uh, you might say that, well, okay, we'll take the quarterback and we can trade Matt Ryan next year, but that's a big dollar number to trade. So that's a complicated question. I know they're, I know they are spending a lot of time on it. They, they, right now, they're spending time on that. They, they, they haven't made up their minds. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be interesting to follow. And of course, the uh, tight end that you bring up is Kyle Pitts. The one thing I did hear yesterday is they're a little. Cause I thought they were going to go for Penny Sewell, and they still might. But I think they're a little bit down on him for some reason. Uh, I have not heard that. I, I know they're in in, in really. Uh, focused discussions on the first round. That mm-hmm. much I know. Now, the, the one interesting thing that came up uh, this week is that uh, we all know that the medical thing is a mess right now because there was no Indy Combine. They did have a, a Indy test last week, and uh, now we find out that Justin Fields has a small bout of epilepsy. How much do you think that uh, affects him, and will it cause him to drop a little bit? Well, I, I'll tell you one thing. I guarantee you there's a lot of discussion between general managers, personnel directors, maybe even owners, uh, in fact, very possibly owners, with their uh, local doctors and with epilepsy specialists in their markets or even around the country about what this means. Now, I happen to have a granddaughter who suffers from it, uh, so I know a little bit about it and it is possible to outgrow it but you underline the word possible it it doesn't always happen and and it's treated with medication and sometimes even the implantation of a device which allows the athlete to perform at at a at a relatively high level um but it is that is a really really that's an out of the (laughs) There's always a surprise, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> something that comes out of the blue, this is it. Uh, something always comes out of the medical recheck that, that knocks you right on your back, and, and, and this is it. So, uh, obviously, you wish the young man well, but there's, there's, there's got, I know from my own family that there's discussion and discussion and discussion about how you treat this and what the future looks like and so on and so forth. Now, the good news is that he apparently hasn't had any incidents uh, at his time in Ohio State, so far as I know. But uh, that's not verified either. Yeah, but the the one thing that also came out is that apparently this is in his family, and several family members, once they get into their mid-20s, it does tend to go away. So, uh, you know, it's I, I think it's certainly, you're right, you've got to check it out right now because you just don't know. Yeah, you don't know, and, and it doesn't. That's not true of everyone. I'm not. I, I have no knowledge whatsoever of the young man's case. I, I just know in my own family that what we've discovered by talking to 
any number of specialists is that uh, it, it, it does, um, you know, it, 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 they do have a tendency to outgrow it. Now, how often does that happen? I, I can't say. Now, the Denver Broncos are in an interesting position at number nine. You know, they uh, want to bring a quarterback in to compete against Drew Locke, not necessarily to replace him, but to compete against him. And they've lost so many opportunities. Like, they didn't get Sam Darnold in a trade. Uh, Alex Smith uh, retired. I don't know how interested they were in him. <coughs> they're, you know, I think that they're in conversations with Carolina over Teddy Bridgewater, but uh, nothing's done there. I mean, what do you think they do at number nine? Do they trade up to get a quarterback? Do they take a quarterback? And can if they, what do they do? Well, they are a trade-up possibility for one of the one of the top four or five uh, with Atlanta. Carolina is also a trade-up possibility, but they're blocked because I don't think Atlanta will trade with them. Rarely would you trade with a team in your division to help them get a quarterback that's considered to be a top prospect. So uh, I think they're blocked. Uh, I I think Carolina is blocked from going to four. But uh, Denver isn't. They're in the other conference. And so to go from four to seven, if they're not interested, if, if they if they don't feel they they absolutely have to have the Florida tight end, that they'll take another position, and pick up some some significant down the line choices to do it. Um, that's a logical place to go. And then, uh, I mean, if you're going to trade up to the fourth pick in the draft, it's not because you want competition for Drew Lock. It's because you believe that whoever you're drafting is is the answer. Of course, one thing with Carolina would would they really trade up uh, for a quarterback after you know giving away a six this year, a two and a four next year to get Sam Darnold? They have said that they would uh, that they would consider it in the right situation, but I don't know that they're necessarily you know they're, they're blocked with Atlanta, I yeah. think, and, and I don't think obviously none of the top three are going to trade out. So uh, uh, you know I I don't know where they go. It's kind of a moot point. Yeah, particularly knowing that they are going to execute the uh, with with Sam Darnold the fifth year option, which is eighteen million dollars. It's like a, that's a two year commitment for the most part with Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, you know I don't know that that's necessarily a stumbling block for them if they could get the right guy if they got the guy that they you know, of their dreams, so to speak. Um, but it would have to be the right guy. But they've said. They haven't closed the door on a trade. Now, what about the three teams that are in the middle of the uh, first round uh, looking for quarterbacks? New England at 15, Washington at 19, Chicago at 20. Uh, you, uh, it'd be tough if four quarterbacks go in the top four for them to get up there. But I could actually see Carolina you know, being right in front of Denver. If the fifth quarterback falls to Carolina and they don't take him, that they can maybe work out a deal with one of those three teams. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Now it's going to be costly because those teams are really low, and, uh, and so if if there is a tumbler, you know we got the first three, and then one one of you know one of the top four begins to tumble, uh, and and gets to Carolina and they don't they don't want him, then you go ahead and make a, a, a deal, but it's going very far down. So it's going to be very, very costly. All three are New England's the most logical one at 15, but 19 and 20 are in, you're right at the end of the first round uh, 
choices at that point in time. For I'm sure you've told your listeners this, but I'll repeat it. There are not 32 first-round gra- uh, uh, grades in, in, in any draft, for that matter. No. Uh, much less this one. So it usually ends right around 20. So you're really at the back end of the first-round prospects. Um, so, um, you know, it'd be costly to do. New England's the most logical one. Mm-hmm. So if a tumbler were to get to were, were to get to Carolina, then to do business with New England is a possibility. How rare is it that uh, it's very well possible that uh, in the first nine picks a defensive player will not be taken? Uh, I don't think we've ever seen this, and we may have as what four as uh, defensive players in the first round, maybe only fourteen or maybe thirteen. Yeah, that's exceedingly that's uh, uh, exceedingly rare to have to have only one in the in the top ten. Wow, that's, but it speaks to the it speaks to the Rushman. You know, this is not a stellar year for Rushman for a number of reasons. What would be some of the reasons for that? Well, you know, you got Rousseau is a, is an yeah. opt out. So uh, there's only really one year of production there. Um, the other line, the other uh, defensive end uh, from uh, uh, Miami is is got medical issues, and and I don't know where you know people stand on him. Uh, we know that there there are medical issues there because he was released by UCLA, you know, for medical reasons. Um, and 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 then, you know, Quiddy Pay has zero sacks. I mean, he's not a he's not a very productive guy, despite incredible numbers. The same is true of Jason Owa. They're they're height, weight, speed guys, um, but there's not a lot of production there. And then, um, you know, on the defensive uh, on the defensive tackle side, um, there there might be, you know, five guys, and maybe only two you would consider first rounders. Same at linebacker. Corners, I think there'll be three first-rounders. Um, and outside linebackers, I think there'll be three first-rounders. And one of those, Ojolari, I think he'll be a terrific rusher. So you could add him to the him to the, the rush mix. But that's typically – this is typically thin. Untypically, I should say, thin for defensive players. Bill Polian, I thank you for joining us here on uh, School with the Professor. And don't forget, everybody, get the uh, Inside Football podcast. It's posted every Friday, and it's going to be heavily draft-oriented and really good stuff. Hey, Bill, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Professor. It's been a pleasure to be a visiting guest lecturer. Okay, that's great. Thank you. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.